Hello, sweet ones. I have a story for you tonight that I hope will give you calm that you need for a good night's rest. But before I read that to you, I have a special guest with me, and his name is Matthew Brownstein. You may know his name, for he's well known in the meditation and hypnotherapy world, with such credits to his name as being the executive director of the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy and president of the International Association of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy, co-founder of the Illuminated Mind podcast, and author of various books on meditation and enlightenment. I do hope this message resonates within you and helps you with your journey in life. And then I hope you'll stay tuned as I tell you a bedtime story. Hello, my name is Matthew Brownstein, and I'm honored to be offering you this short introduction to my work, Peace Under All Circumstances, The Power of Me Today podcast. And this is all about being at peace and the theme, how can you be at peace no matter what's happening, is really worth asking, right? Don't we all want to be at peace? It can be at peace by making the external world always the way we want it to be, right? Everything outside of your skin, can you make it always be peaceful and pleasant and nice? If you've looked around, you've realized, no, you can't do that, right? The outside world is going to do what it does, and there are going to be challenges out there. So how do we find peace in that? Well, what if we said we're going to find peace by making our body always the way we want it to be, right? Everything inside of your skin, everything you feel physically. The body does go through different changes. It can get stressed. You can get sick. You can feel bad after eating something. Finding peace only in the bodily level doesn't quite work. The body really is just part of the physical world. The physical world is always changing. Our body is always changing. So trying to find peace in impermanence doesn't work because impermanence implies it's always changing. What about our emotions then? What if we could have peace in our hearts? Of course, we want more of that. Yet at the same time, we have emotions. We have sadness, fear, anger, grief, guilt, and we do. Being at peace doesn't mean you don't have those emotions. It actually means being at peace with having those emotions. So what about your mind then? Maybe we can get, always get your thoughts to always be peaceful. Never have a negative thought. Never have your mind wander into the past or worrying about the future. The mind does do that. So if we say the physical world, including our body and our emotions and our mind are always changing, then where do we find peace? In my book, Peace Under All Circumstances, the theme is that we find peace within our very own consciousness. To embody that, to feel that, to really experience it right now, I invite you to come into this very present moment with me. Just let go of the past for a moment and let go of the future. And really just for this instant, practice being right here. You exist. You might say, I am. That I am is consciousness. Right? You're a conscious, you're aware. The conscious awareness is always at peace. People don't realize this because we're so busy focusing on the object of consciousness, right? The things we see, the things we smell and hear and feel. But who's the one who's watching? Who's the one who's aware that you're aware? 
the more you come into the present moment and focus on your awareness itself, just be aware that you're aware, peace is always available to you. So on YouTube, my Peace Under All Circumstances audiobook is available for free. And there are 10 questions that you ask within that book. How you answer those questions really determines whether you will be at peace or not. So here's a brief introduction to those ideas. Question number one, who am I, right? Who are you? Not your name, not what you did yesterday, not your job title, but who, what, who is the real essence of you? When you get down to the very, very essence, you're conscious, right? Now, other traditions might say your spirit or your soul, yet I don't know you. So I don't know your religious or philosophical point of view, but I do know that you're conscious if you're listening to me. You might call your consciousness spirit, yet either way, your consciousness is always at peace. So that's step one, is to get established in that sense of who you really are. Step two, question two, can I handle this? Whatever's happening in life, ask the question, can I handle it? If you answer no, you're not going to be at peace. But if you say, yes, I can handle this, whatever it is, sickness, health issues, financial challenges, relationship difficulties, can you handle it? Yes, I can. Now, question three, if you can handle it, can you be at peace with it? If you say no, I can't handle this, I can't be at peace with it, you're going to suffer. But if you say, question one, who am I? I'm conscious. I'm aware of what's happening. Can I handle it? Yes, I can. Question three, can I be at peace with it? Yes, I can. There's a total of 10 questions that you go through, and when you do, it will align your being, your mind, and even your emotions into a place where you're at peace. Yet it teaches you how to deal with your emotions, so even when they're disturbed, the real you, the deep inner you, can still always be at peace. So thank you for letting me introduce you to my work, Peace Under All Circumstances, and I certainly do hope that it brings more peace to your life. I hope you enjoyed the words that he had to say. And I hope it gives you something to think about when you wake in the morning. But for now, my job is to help you to fall asleep. And with that, I have a story to tell you. This story is called The Owl's Answer to Tommy. One evening, Tommy's grandmother was telling him and his little brother Johnny a story about a brownie who used to do all of the work in the neighbor's house before the family got up in the morning. What was he like, Granny? asked Tommy. Like a little man, they say, my dear. What did he do? He came in before the family woke up and he swept up their earth and lightened the fire, and set out the breakfast, and tidied the room, and he did all sorts of housework. But he never would be seen, and was off before they could catch him. But they could hear him laughing and playing about the house sometimes. What a darling. Did they give him any wages, Granny? No, my dear. He did it for love. They set some clear water for him overnight, and then a bowl of bread and milk or cream. And sometimes he left a little bit of money in the water. Sometimes he weeded the garden or threshed the corn 
he saved endless trouble both to men and maids. Oh, Granny, where did he go? Well, the maids caught sight of him one night, my dear, and his coat was so ragged that they got a new suit and a linen shirt for him and laid them by the bread and the milk bowl. But when Brownie saw the things, he put them on and dancing round the kitchen sang, What have we here? Here will I never more tread, nor stampin'. And away he danced through the door and never came back. Oh, Grandmother, but why did he not come back? The old owl knows, my dear. I do not. Ask her. Now Tommy was a lazy boy, and he wished that he could find a brownie to tidy his room and fetch the turf and pick up chips and do all of his work for him. So that night, while little Johnny was off in the land of dreams, growing rosier and rosier as he slept, Tommy lay wide awake, thinking of his grandmother's story. There's an owl living in the old shed by the lake, he thought. It may be the old owl herself. And she knows. Granny says she knows. When father's gone to bed and the moon rises, I will go and ask her. By and by the moon rose like gold and went up into the heavens like silver, flooding the fields with a pale, ghostly light. Tommy crept softly down the ladder, through the kitchen, and out onto the moor. It was a glorious night, though everything but the wind and Tommy seemed asleep. The stones, the walls, the glistening lanes were so intensely still. The church tower in the valley seemed awake and watching, but silent. The houses in the village, rounded, had all their eyes shut and it seemed to Tommy as if the very fields had drawn white sheets around them and laying sleep also. Hoot, hoot, said a voice from the wood behind him. Somebody else was awake, and then, it's the old owl, said Tommy, and there she came, swinging heavily across the moor with a flapping, stately flight and sailed into the shed by the lake. The old lady moved faster than she appeared to, and though Tommy ran hard, she was still in the shed some time before him. When he got in, no bird was to be seen, but he heard a sound from above, and there sat the old owl, blinking at him, Tommy with yellow eyes. Oh dear, said Tommy, for he didn't much like it. Come up, come up, she said hoarsely. She could speak then, beyond all doubt, it was the old owl and none other. Come up here, come up here, said the old owl. Tommy had often climbed up for fun to the beam that ran across the shed where the old owl sat. He climbed up now and sat face to face with her and thought her eyes looked as if they were made of flame. Now what do you want, said the owl. Please, said Tommy, can you tell me where to find the brownies and how to get one to come and live with us? Oh, said the owl, that's it, is it? I know of two brownies. 
Hooray, said Tommy. Where do they live? In your house, said the owl. Tommy was aghast. In our house, he exclaimed. Whereabouts? Let me rummage them out. Why do they do nothing? Well, said the owl, one of them is too young. But why doesn't the other work? asked Tommy. He is idle, said the old owl, and she gave herself such a shake as she said it that the fluff went flying through the shed and Tommy nearly tumbled off the beam. Then we don't want him, he said. What is the use of having brownies? They do nothing to help us. For perhaps, if you would tell me where to find them, said Tommy, I could tell them what to do. Could you, said the owl. Oh, and Tommy couldn't tell whether she were hooting or laughing. Of course I could, he said. If they were up, they could sweep the house and light the fire and spread the table and that sort of thing before father came down. The brownie did all that in Granny's mother's young days, and they might tidy the room and fetch the turf and pick up my chips and sort Granny's scraps. Oh, there's plenty to do. So, there is, said the owl. Oh, well, I can tell you where you can find one of the brownies, and if you could find him, he will tell you where his brother is. But all this depends upon whether you will follow my directions. I am quite ready to go, said Tommy, and will do as you tell me. I am quite ready to go, said Tommy, and will do as you tell me. I am sure I could persuade them to come, if only knew how everyone would love them, if they made themselves useful. Oh, said the owl, now pay attention. You must go to the north side of the lake, where the moon is shining. I know brownies like water, muttered Tommy, and turn yourself around three times, saying this charm. Twist me and turn me and show me the elf I look in the water and saw. When you've got so far, look into the water and think of the word that will rhyme with elf, and at the same moment you will see the brownie. Is a brownie a merman, said Tommy, that he lives underwater? Well, that depends on whether he has a fish's tail, said the owl, and that you can see for yourself. Well, the moon is shining, so I shall go, said Tommy. Goodbye, and thank you, ma'am. And he jumped down and went saying to himself, I believe he is a merman, all the same, or else how could he live in the lake? The moon shone very brightly on the center of the lake, and Tommy knew the place well, for there was a fine echo there. Round the edges grew rushes and water plants, and turning himself three times as the old owl had told him, he repeated the charm. Twist me and turn me and show me the elf. I looked in the water and saw. Now for it he looked in and saw his own face. Why, there's no one there but myself, said Tommy. And what can that word be? I must have done it wrong. Wrong, said the echo. Tommy was almost surprised to find the echo awake at this time of night. Much you know whether I'm wrong or not, said he. Belf, delf, felt, health, jelf. There can't be a word to fit the rhyme. And then he looked for a brownie and saw nothing but myself. Myself, said the echo, 
Will you be quiet, said Tommy. If you would tell me the word, there would be some sense in your interference. But to roar myself at me, which neither rhymes nor runs. It does rhyme, though. As it happens, he added. How very odd. It runs, too. Twist me and turn me and show me the elf. I looked in the water and saw myself, which I certainly did. What can it mean? The old owl knows, as Granny would say. So I shall go back and ask her. And back he went. There sat the old owl as before. Oh, she said as Tommy climbed up. What did you see in the lake? I saw nothing, nothing but myself, said Tommy. And what did you expect to see, asked the owl. I expected to see a brownie, said Tommy. You told me so. And what are brownies like, pray tell me, inquired the owl. Well, the one that Granny knew was a useful little fellow, something like a little man, said Tommy. Ah, said the owl, but you know at present this one is an idle fellow, something like a little man. Are you quite sure you didn't see him? Quite, answered Tommy sharply. I saw no one but myself. Hoot, toot, how touchy we are. And who are you, pray tell me? I am not a brownie, said Tommy. Don't be too sure, said the elf. Did you find out the word that rhymed with elf? No, said Tommy. I could find no word with any meaning that would rhyme except myself. Well, if myself rhymes, said the owl, what more do you want? I don't understand, said Tommy. You know I'm not a brownie. Yes, you are, said the owl, and a very idle one, too. All children are brownies. But I couldn't do work like a brownie, said Tommy. Why not, inquired the owl. Couldn't you sweep the floor and light the fire and spread the table and tidy the room and fetch the turf and pick up your own chips and sort your grandmother's scraps? Please, said Tommy, I should like to go home now and tell Johnny. Very well, said the old owl. I think I'd better take you. I know the way. Thank you so much, said Tommy. Do as I say, said the owl. I want you to lean your full weight against me and shut your eyes. Tommy laid his head against the owl's feathers, and down he sank and sank. He could feel nothing solid, and he jumped with a start to save himself and open his eyes, and found that he was sitting in the loft with Johnny sleeping by his side. And what he was odder still is that it was no longer moonlight, but early dawn. Get up, Johnny, I have a story to tell you, he cried. And while Johnny sat up and rubbed his eyes, he told him all about it. And after that, Tommy and Johnny were the most useful little brownies in the whole country. Ah, oh, sweet one, that is the end of the story. I do hope you liked it. And remember, don't go looking for others to do what you can easily do yourself. Know that you have the power in yourself to do anything that anyone else can do no matter how young or how small you may be. And now, sweet one, get some rest.
tomorrow will be a big day. It will be your day. Sweet dreams. <laughs>